please stand for the call to worship. We have come to celebrate the birthday of our church. We have come to celebrate Pentecost and to open ourselves to God's spirit that it might fill us. Direct our thoughts of you and that its power might fill the church and fulfilled just as it has filled the churches, people throughout the ages. Teach us our church, your people. Amen. seated. 
Let me welcome all who are here in worship today. You've come today to worship the one true and living God and to join our voices and our hearts, spirits, to lift them up in, in praise to God. For those who have come from afar, those who may be guests, we do uh, want to welcome you and give you a Southside welcome, a warm Southside welcome. And uh, those who may be from here in the city that have come, we want to also welcome you. And then some of our members who have been away for a while are here. So we're glad that you're back as well. We would like to have a record of all those that attend. And if you would take a moment and fill in the guest registration or the actually the, the attendance book at the end of each pew, then we would have a record of that. You can share with, with us if there are particular concerns that you want us to, to know about or also if there are changes of addresses. Uh, whatever uh, you'd like us to, to know about you and your situation. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Points South. We are continually and earnestly building an com uh, inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. We encourage all who come into this church, this church house, to be a part of this family of faith, to give expression to your faith by engaging in your uh, use of your gifts and abilities and talents in whatever way God leads you to do so. So welcome today. And as we continue in our time of worship, would you join with me for just a moment of prayer? Oh Lord, on this special Sunday, Pentecost, we give you thanks for empowering your church by your spirit by providing that one that is comforter, that is teacher, that is constant companion, the one who teaches us all things that you have revealed to us and helps us to understand them and make application to our own lives. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we come before you today and lift our voices in praise to you, that our worship would truly be worship that is received because it comes from the depths of our hearts. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. As we turn to our second hymn, which obviously has its Pentecost message as well, in 228, I wanted to take just a moment to explain that, uh, no, uh, we have not suddenly lost Sarah Hazlett, or she has not changed her visage totally. Some of you will know uh, Melinda Dressler, who has uh, been our organist in Sarah's stead on uh, previous occasions. Uh, Sarah is preparing, she is away today, and next Sunday she is preparing for a recital at the Independent Presbyterian Church next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So if you want to put that on your calendar, that would be very lovely to hear it. Uh, and I'm grateful, personally, uh, to have uh, Mrs. Dressler here. She was Melinda Howard to me, and I asked her if she wouldn't mind mentioning, she is younger than I am, but she did accompany my senior voice recital at Sanford University uh, a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for Melinda's talent and uh, ability to be with us today. May we stand as we sing this hymn, 228. Speak. 
Our first scripture reading this morning is from the Psalms 104, verses 24 through 34 and 35b. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, continuing our study of John's Gospel and what Jesus says about the coming of the Spirit. In honor of the Gospel reading, will you stand to hear the Word of God? John 14, verse 15 through 21, and then picking up in verse 25 through 27. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. I will, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In the little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, and you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, 
and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Verse 25. I have said these words to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. I'll back up. Okay, we're good now. How are you all doing today? Well, what you, you know, I was surprised when I looked up and saw Master Jack here walking down the aisle with his Holy Spirit um, hat on. And so you're going to help us today when we talk about this Sunday. We talked about it being Pentecost, and that's sort of a something that's difficult for us to understand maybe, but it, it talks about in the story that we read earlier in our little account in the Bible, it talks about God sending his spirit to be with us, the Holy Spirit. Now, do you notice anything different up here on the front besides Jack's hat? Look at Dr. Roxborough and Dr. Banks and me. What do you see different? You see this? Is this different than it's been being? It's different, different color, right? And we've been having white stoles on that were symbolic of, of Easter, the Easter period, after Easter and the resurrection, and now we have red on. What might red mean if we talk about tongues of fire? Could that be what it is? And scripture said that the Spirit came with a mighty rushing wind, and also tongues of fire was over. Also, I want you to do something. Walk around and look at the flowers right there that Mr. Jim and Mr. Philip fixed. Look at those and tell me what all colors you see. What all do you see? Red, yellow, red. It red, looks almost like a red. It just has a lot of red. Yeah, it's got a lot of colors in it. But what's yellow, the white? We mostly green. see the red and the orange, some orange in there. See it on the other side. All of that is because we're celebrating Pentecost. You see those colors? Now, we also have other ways that we celebrate that and we remember the Spirit coming, just like Jack has his hat on here. That the Spirit of the Holy Spirit came and rested on them and was with them. But you know, God is with us always, right? Do you believe that? It's Alexis. Your name is Tamara. Tamara. Your older sister's Alexis, right? What else? How do you know that God is with you all the time? 
Jackie might have to come around here to help me some. Come over here close to me and talk. How do we, how do you know that, stand right here, okay? How do we know that God is with us all the time? Because you got your hat on? Is that why we're here? How do we know? We just sense it, don't we? You know, when we think about the, um, the spirit of God being with us, it's a hard concept for everybody, and especially as, as children, to understand. But I want to ask you something about this. When you, if you think about, if you think about the wind, can you see it? Well, how do you know it's there? You feel it. Look at this right here. I've got something for you. This is a little bit of a, it's not, probably won't put out much air. You feel that? You feel, oh, no. <laughs> You're trying to stop the Holy Spirit, Jack. You do what many of us do. <laughs> you feel that? You feel that? That little bit of, of wind lets us know that the air is moving, right? When we go outside and we feel the breeze like we did today, what do you think? The wind's blowing. But we really can't see it, but we can see what it does. If, if the wind was blowing now, we can sort of see the tree, the tree outside the window there. If it was really blowing now, it would be moving those leaves around and limbs around the thing is we trust because God says my spirit is going to always be with you that regardless of whether we feel it all the time we know it's there and when we sense that through the like the wind or the beautiful flowers it's a reminder that God has sent one to be with us always so when you're afraid and I know you probably are never afraid but if you are afraid we can know that God is with us. When we are lonely or sad, who is with us to make us feel better? God, okay? So all of that reminds us that we can trust in God to be there and to help us. Whenever we need help, whenever we need to feel that someone is there for us to know that we're not alone, let's offer a prayer to God, okay? Lord, we thank you that you did send the Spirit the advocate, the one that's with us always, the one that's beside us and in us, the one that teaches us. I pray for these children here. May you continue to guide them, and may they know of your love and your mercy and grace as your spirit teaches them, and as you use us to nurture them in their lives. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, you can go back to your places now. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Almighty and eternal God, through your word and spirit, you have created all things. In Jesus Christ, our Savior, the word made flesh, you have revealed your love and salvation towards the world. And through your Holy Spirit, you give us a share in your life and your love. Grant us today that we might all be filled afresh with a vision of your glory and grace that we may serve and praise you all our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with the cleansing power of your grace that as unlovely as we often feel ourselves to be, we may be washed and refreshed and given new purpose and new life. Come, Holy Spirit, and be to us the breath of God, the brightness of God, the abundance of love, 
inspire us and renew us. Holy Spirit of God, as you came to the community of believers and doubters gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost so many years ago, touching each with your passion and purpose, pour yourself out once more upon us. A community of believers and often doubters needing your courage and your comfort in our lives. Holy Spirit, you have joined us together in an inclusive community of grace. Just as on the day of Pentecost, you brought disciples together to express worship and praise and to speak of others of your love. Today, give us not only tongues to speak, but also ears to listen, minds to interpret and understand. Make us a community of inclusion and love, mercy and joy, so that compassion and sincerity may be seen in all that we say and do. Holy Spirit, come as the dove of peace and healing into our lives and the lives of those whom we love. Light gently upon the brokenhearted. Light gently upon those of fragile mind and body. Light gently upon the bewildered and the lost. Light gently upon the angry and the grieving. Bless our nation this day, our President, Congress, Supreme Court, and all who are called by you and elected to serve our communities and nation. Bless those whose gift of knowledge enriches our schools and universities. Bless those whose gift of healing enriches our hospitals and caring agencies. Bless those whose gift of ingenuity enriches our businesses and industries. Bless those whose gift of hard graft enriches the work that goes unseen yet remains essential to the way our country functions. Bless us as your church today. As we gather to worship, may we receive the gift of your love afresh within our hearts. God of grace and mercy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we offer you our worship and our prayers in the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
think we all always enjoy the anthems that the choir sings, but I have to say, when I knew they were singing this particular one, I was looking forward to it especially. Come, Holy Spirit. That's the prayer of the Eastern Orthodox Church as they celebrate the Eucharist. Come, Holy Spirit. Epiclesis prayer, it's called. On this day, we remember the birthday of the Christian church. We really should have an enormous birthday cake with about 2,000 candles on it and blow it out. No, keep it lit during the service. <laughs> to remind us that this is the birthday of the church. We remember the coming of the Spirit. Jesus breathed upon his disciples in the upper room and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, as they were waiting, anxiously, expectantly, praying, the Spirit of God came upon them, and the church was born, and the message of the good news of God's love was proclaimed, and the church went into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth with the good news of God's love. So Pentecost Sunday is at least that one day of the year when Baptists talk about the Holy Spirit. You know the story of the Pentecostal lady who walked into a Baptist church during, during worship and she made her way to the front pew, the so-called spitting pew, and during this preacher's sermon, she was responding, amen, hallelujah, preach it, brother, praise God, help him, Jesus. People around her were getting a little bit concerned, and when she eventually got up and raised her hands, an usher appeared at her side and whispered, ma'am? is there something wrong? Oh, no, she said, nothing wrong. I, I have the Spirit. Well, he said, you didn't get it here. <laughs> A few weeks ago, Dr. Kelly was showing me the various windows in the church, and we spent some time in our recent homilies on the I Am sayings of Jesus. There is a Holy Spirit window, but it's a bit hidden. <laughs> You only see it if you go up, I think I'm right, into the choir loft. There's one over there that says the Holy Spirit. It's over there. So we've moved the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's here? No, he says. Oh, tongues of fire are there and the Holy Spirit window's there. Okay. So we've actually got two windows dedicated to the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're not a traditional Baptist church here. You understood that, haven't you? The Holy Spirit is a difficult aspect of God to understand. Now, if you think this was difficult, then next week it's Trinity Sunday. Well, the Holy Spirit, we, we understand God the Father somewhat because we know about parenthood. We understand Jesus because we understand the incarnation somewhat. God manifest in the flesh, a human being just as we are. But the Holy Spirit, and then if you were raised as I was with the King James Version, it's the Holy Ghost, and ghosts are a little bit spooky and scary. So what do we make of this Holy Spirit? There are many symbols of the Holy Spirit in Holy Scripture. There's the symbol of the breath, of life, of the wind, of the fire. There's a symbol of the Spirit as the dove of peace. The Celtic symbol that I asked to be put on the front of our bulletin this morning is very different. It's the symbol of the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. Not always a gentle dove, but a wild goose. It's a reminder that the Spirit of God cannot be tamed or contained. 
It keeps us on our watch when it comes to God to expect the unexpected. My dear wife often goes with a friend around Star Lake, which is a small lake near a, a golf country golf club in, in Hoover. And so many times around the lake is a certain amount of distance. There are swans, there are ducks, but there are also sometimes geese. And on one occasion, a, a goose, I was going to say geese, but a goose, just one of them, went at her and bit her. She didn't know that geese or a goose could do that. They can be unpredictable. The spirit is often the dove of peace, but he's also the unpredictable spirit. He comes as the mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. He comes as tongues of fire. He comes to disturb us as well as to comfort us. When Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he said, quench not the spirit. When he wrote to another church, he said, grieve not the spirit. So we can try to resist the work of God and the work of God's Holy Spirit. But he comes as the dove of peace, gently, as the still small voice. Some theologians speak about the gift of the Spirit as the kiss of God's love in our lives. After all, Paul says, God has poured out his love into our hearts through the gift of the Spirit. He embraces us. He helps us to know that God is with us, not distant. He cares for us. He wants us sometimes to be upset, jolted out of our routine, so that we listen and we walk in his ways. But he comes also to inspire us, encourage us, and give us strength. St. Augustine, that theological giant of the church, spoke about the Holy Spirit as the bond of love between the members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he's also the bond of love between us and God, our Father, our Mother. He's the bond of love between sisters and brothers within the family of faith. He is the gift of love within our lives. Now, here in John's gospel, this chapter, Jesus speaks about the Spirit, and he uses a particular word that only John uses, paraclete. It's a difficult word in Greek to translate, and so different versions have different translations. Some say comforter, some say advocate, near the bystander version, paraclete. It's an odd word, difficult to tie down in one translation. Some translations look at it differently. The context of John's gospel, for me anyway, gives me an understanding of what Jesus is saying here. He's just told his disciples that he's going to leave them. He's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and be arrested and go to the cross. But after the cross, he's going to rise again, and then he's going to leave them as he ascends into heaven. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm not always going to be with you, but don't despair because God the Father is going to send the gift of the Spirit to dwell within your hearts so that you do not feel orphaned. That's the phrase that Jesus uses in this pas passage. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. I will not leave you alone. I am coming to you. So when we try to understand what it means to know God as the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, in this section of Scripture, he's talking about knowing the presence of Jesus with us 
when Jesus is absent. He brings comfort. He brings encouragement. He brings strength. God is with us. I read the story of a man called Jack Casey recently, a paramedic and ambulance driver. When he was a child, Casey had to have dental surgery that required a general anesthetic, and he was terrified. A nurse said to him, don't worry, I'll be right beside you, no matter what happens. And she was true to her word. When he awoke, she was by her side, his side. Later on in life, years later, he was a paramedic and an ambulance driver. Casey was called to the scene of a horrific crash. The driver was pinned down inside his pickup truck, terrified, crying out, fearful of dying. Casey crawled inside the cab of the truck to reach him, even though gasoline was dripping all around him. Rescue workers trying to get him out could have brought a spark that would cause an explosion. Jack crawled beside the man and said, don't worry, I'm right here with you. I'm not going anywhere. Using the words of that nurse from many years before. When it was all over and the man had recovered, he said to Casey, you are an idiot. It could have exploded and we both would have died. And Jack said, I just felt I couldn't leave you. Jesus is leaving and he's troubled for his disciples. He knows they're fearful. Let not your hearts be troubled, they said earlier on. Believe in God, believe in me. And now he's telling them, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to give to you the comforter. He's going to be with you. I will not leave you orphaned. The Spirit of God brings us the peace of Jesus into our lives. Jesus says this here, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And then later on in John 20, he breathes on them and says, peace be with you. And he breathes in them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus when Jesus is absent. I recently gave my pastoral theology class a term paper to read. The novel by Marilyn Robinson, Pulitzer Prize winner, Home. It's a superb novel. Some of them loved it. Most of them loved it. One of them didn't like it at all, but that's how life goes. It describes and reflects on a family, a dysfunctional family in New England. There's a prodigal son named Jack. There's a dutiful daughter, 38 years of age, who is called Glory, who comes to care for her aging father. The aging father is an aging widowed minister of the gospel, Robert Boughton. He is slowly deteriorating in the book. For years, father and son have had difficulty in relating to each other. The one has left home, but now he's come back. The father wants him back and yet has difficulty when he's at home with him. The book, Jack comes and goes, breaks his father's heart. But now at the end of the book, he's leaving again and tries to say goodbye to his father who is slowly slipping into dementia. The book is at one and the same time anguished and passionate filled with resentment and unforgiven relationships. The old man, however, just can't stop loving his prodigal son. And he has never wavered in that love, despite the endless grief that it has caused him. 
the end of three years of a relationship with the disciples, Jesus is in the upper room and he knows what's going to happen. One of them is going to betray him. Another is going to deny him three times with oaths and curses and the rest are just going to run away. So he knows what's going to happen, but he still is thinking of them. And he says to them in these last moments when he is with them, he says, my peace I give to you. I will not leave you orphaned. Jesus uses this parental image that is often used of God the Father in the Scripture, but Jesus uses it of himself. It's a strange image for him to use, but he uses it of, of his parental care that he has for disciples. I will not leave you orphaned. Julian of Norwich in the 15th, 13th century said, in our birthing, our mother uses more tenderness for our protection without any comparison. But even if our earthly mother could allow her child to perish, our heavenly mother Jesus cannot allow us that his children will perish. It's a wonderful use of the parental language applied this time to Jesus. He has a concern that his disciples will not be orphaned. There is a relentlessness in the love of God here. There is a weeping in the heart of God. There is grief as he anticipates all that lies ahead of him, but he will not forget his disciples. He will not leave them orphaned. It's a remarkable thing to have children and to realize that although they're different from each other, the love you have for them is the same. One writer, the author writer, Philip Gooley, describes the, the way that we, we treat our children, you know. Uh, the first one, uh, when he drops a, a, a pacifier, we make sure that we boil it for 10 minutes to get away all the germs. The second one, we rinse it under the faucet. The third one, we fetch the, get the dog to fetch it for us, you know. But we love them all. We love them all. When I pray for my children, he says, my affection for each is the same. I suspect that's how God must feel too. For God, every child is a firstborn. I will not leave you orphaned. The story is told of a couple who, unable to become pregnant, adopted a child. And paradoxically, very soon afterwards, the woman became pregnant and had a little boy about nine months later. They decided to tell both of the children at the appropriate time the circumstances of their coming into their family. They gathered brother and sister and said all the prescribed things. We chose you to be our daughter. We picked you out. When we saw you, we said, that's just the right baby for us. She's the one. And her slightly younger brother listening in said, can I be adopted too? Jesus will not leave any of us orphaned from his family. We may fail him. We may disappoint him. We may fail ourselves. But he says to us, I will not leave you orphaned because he's given us the gift of his love, the gift of his spirit. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that your love for us never fails, that your presence with us is always assured. 
grant us today the knowledge that we are loved by you, that you will not leave us alone. We ask this in your own name. Amen. Our closing hymn of promise is number 217. Alleluia. Sing to Jesus, his the scepter, his the throne. As always, Dr. Kelly will be at the front. If you want to make a public profession of faith, a desire to be baptized, join this church. The opportunity to do that is here at this moment in time. Let us stand to sing 217. Father, we have been given so many gifts, the gift of your spirit, the gift of your son, the gift of yourself. May we return at this time gifts that are of a nature that may further your kingdom here in this place and throughout the world, but especially may we dedicate ourselves as gifts to you. In Christ's name we pray it.
just a couple of announcements before we go today. Uh, one, we want to welcome Melinda Dressler here and thank her for being here uh, today to fill in for Sarah. Also, for those who are guests uh, here in the congregation, we want to again remind you that we have a little reception area there for uh, some uh, lemonade and cookies. We'd like to get to know you better, talk to you, welcome you to Southside, and spend a few moments with you if you'd like. And then also to, uh, to know that you're welcome here anytime. We hope that all will come and return and be here with us as we engage in other activities of worship, but also in times of service too. I would like to make uh, mention of one uh, prayer concern, and we lost a member yesterday in Nancy Goodwin. Nancy was um, just a favor of the church. She was um, Down syndrome, had lived a long life, 56 years, 56 years and some months. But brought a lot of joy to many people's lives, and um, many of you remember her sitting right on the back corner back there, and um, she was just a, a sweet, sweet spirit. So as soon as we hear more about that, uh, the arrangements, we will put that information out. But remember Faye, the aunt that has taken care of her for the last eight years after Nancy's mom passed away. Before we go out into the world and celebrate the church's birthday, I'd like to get you to uh, turn to those close to you and pass the peace of Christ. And then after that, Dr. Roxburgh will come and have our benediction. Well, as you go, go with the promise of Jesus, who said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. In his name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.